Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Any of you fucking pricks move and, and I'll, I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. you. All right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good, 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 good. We've got a treat for you today, folks. Damn right, uh, you we've have. got Huey Morgan. We've got call. We've got yeah. call. We've got proper fucking call. And what a place to meet him as well. Yeah, man. We was originally going to record with Huey over in the ACAR studios, but uh, busy man them. So he asked us if we could go over to a place he's got set up, which is a friend's owns a hotel, the London edition. And oh, yeah, it's a fucking nice hotel, man. Poshest place me and you ever been. Yeah, and um, I think it's only because Hughes there they let us in. Yeah, and uh, you and you were rocking that Kappa tracksuit, <laughs> <laughs> and you had socks stuffed down your Reebok classics. Mate, I look fresh. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, we there was a nightclub in the basement of it. Hughes said, "Come down, we record it in the nightclub." And man, it it just fucking delivered. We we knew we we met him. A few weeks before, when yeah. you come to DJ um, for us uh, at We Are Lisa's Club yeah, Night, smashed, at the club. smashed a set out there, didn't he? And uh, and he was so fucking cool when he turned yeah. up there anyway, and made us feel like we were his pals. And yeah. it was lovely, wasn't it? And yeah. then when we got to the the hotel, much the same. You know, he said that you know he thought it was kind of cool that he was sitting here doing this because he listens yeah, to us. Isn't and, it? Oh, what a fucking yeah. we couldn't believe that. Do you know, what no. I mean? we're sitting there like fucking. Little fanboys thinking, we listen to your band, we love your band. Yeah, yeah. And it's Huey, it's fucking Huey Morgan. And so he's it an was, easy going and humble dude. And like, and he's just fucking cool. Yeah. As, as soon as we started chatting, we we had fun, didn't we, man? And and for sure. And he knows his shit about MCs and hip hop. I was no well mistake. happy when that yeah. when that came through, and he said he was going to do that uh, for us. And uh, yeah, he done his homework as well. Again, yeah. he's a guest who um, dug deep. Dug deep. Yeah. So you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of hip hop right about now. Yeah. So um, look, let's let's uh, finish the talking. Enjoy the episode. You can get at Huey on Instagram, um, and we'll link obviously in all of our, our social media networks. posts. We yeah, take man. Huey in, and and he's really gracious. Mm. And and you know when when we put the picture up, mm. when we come out of there straight away, he responded that he'd had a really good time doing it, yeah. and retweeted it and stuff. So. Um, it's not hard to find Huey on social media. Of course he's fucking not. Just search yeah. cool motherfucker. Let's hear about your top Huey five MCs, man. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. Enjoy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Well, why? When we DJ that time, I was like... 
at one point Pip's like, yo, it's about time for me to go. I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like sitting there looking at stuff, holding an eye, you know. That was a good night. That was great. Oh, my, my pleasure, man. I like getting down, man. It's cool. Do you do much of like, club day training? I try to. I try to do at least like one gig a month. Like I was just up in, in Leeds doing one. And like a lot of times it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, I, it, I don't want to be on a stage in front of people being like, yeah, pumping my hand in the air. Yeah. I'd rather be in the DJ booth in the corner yeah. and just playing dope shit. Like how we did that gig. That was yeah. really cool, man. And I like doing shit like that. A lot of times if people want me to DJ, they want to put me on a stage. I'm like, nah, I don't have a guitar. Fist, yeah. fist pumping. Yeah, I'm, I'd, like I'd rather be up there with my guys playing a, playing yeah. a band, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, um, hello everyone. How you doing, Stu? You oh, good? I've just started, man. Oh, right. I've just started. <laughs> well, we keep right? all that. Yeah, I'm I see the red there. light, so I kind of, you know, <laughs> I, we're on, dude. <laughs> Right, well, uh, I gather you probably know our guest is today by, uh, by hearing the voice already. Um, we're in possibly the poshest hotel I've ever been in. Yeah. I don't let boys from Essex in no, places no, like this no. very often. You know, I saw here that dude so. from that show. What's his name? Uh, Jimmy Essex or something like that? Uh, Jimmy Essex. He's, right. He was in his lobby one time, really? man. Yeah, looking like a fool. He had his, he had, you know, he was had his baseball hat on like this. His shit was like that, and he was in like with the old with the old Reebok high tops, like yeah, yeah. over his shoes. I was like, who is this motherfucker? So it's Jimmy Essex. I was like, all right, what's he do? What band's he in? They're like, no, he's just a dude. He's just known for being famous and saying dumb shit. Because it comes from, it comes from uh, the only way is Essex, right? Oh yeah. So good. whenever we go places and we say we're from Essex people are like oh right so you're part of that thing that's what Essex is like we're like it's nothing like nothing that not where like we come it's from it's scary how, how how world can get fucked up over over like kind of reality TV yeah. man no it's like people think where we're from like everyone's famous for being dumb or, or just like, tan or a country singer isn't that one chick like a big country singer now there's some girl from that oh, show man. who like charted on a country singer oh fuck up it went out, like blew up in the states, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently, really no, good. I just don't really. listen to that kind of new country. Yeah, yeah. It's like Taylor Swift kind of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it doesn't connect. That's, That's where the pan notes is coming yeah, from. Man. Yeah, people when I, people say, "Oh, you're from New York." I'm like, "Yeah." They go, "You know? Did you know Biggie?" That's <laughs> so I get that a lot. I go, "Oh, do you know? Have you met Jay Z?" It's like. It's a fucking bar. Like There's only one bar, so you all hang out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, well, you know, funny enough, we used to hang out at this one bar called Bungalow Eight, and it was where everybody went. And we used to have this, we used to have this friend of mine, Uncle Mike, right? And we used to smoke weed, right? We smoke weed. We don't drink that much, we smoke weed. And the owner of the club, I'm not gonna say her name because I don't know what her situation is, but she'd like, she go, hey, you know, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Costner really wants to smoke some pot. Uh, can you guys smoke him up? We'd be like, fuck yeah. So we'd take him up to the DJ booth, <laughs> behind the DJ booth, and we just light a joint, we'd sit there talk. But that's how we met a lot of famous people, because yeah. we were there smoking weed anyway, and like Benito del Toro and shit. We met a lot of dudes that way. No way. Not saying he was smoke. I don't remember if he smoked or not, but like you meet a bunch of dudes yeah. through that kind of yeah, situation yeah. if you're in a bar. But yeah, it's kind of tricky. We did, I met, I'm trying to think of like, uh, well, there was this one time that I could have saved rock and roll. There was... <laughs> There was a, like a banquette, right? And in the banquette was Lenny Kravitz, the dude Lars from Metallica, Kid Rock, and I, th I think it was the dude from Take That, the dude who left, Bobby. Uh, Robbie. 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 Yeah, yeah. And my boy was like, yo, you have a hand grenade? I was like, fresh out. He's like, you could save rock and roll right there. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, fling. <laughs> Gonna save rock and roll, boy. Oh, no, it was Axl Rose. It was there too. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, it was like this fucking bar was next level. It's called Bungalow Eight. Classic. 
claim. I've heard it bungalow. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't get in with, you, you have to, like, you couldn't take your phone out. None of that shit. You could only get in if, like, they fucking knew you. And we knew the owner, so we'd just go in there and sit by the end of the bar, like, drink scotch all night. Like, that's the best way to get Kevin Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner was fucking cool, man. He was a cool guy, man. I like that dude. Well, we've, we've just gone straight in already, as we, we generally do. But, uh, yeah, today's guest is, is Hugh Morgan. Yeah, what's, yeah, up, what's up? Yeah, good to be here, man. Good to be hanging with you guys. Thank I like you. your podcast a lot, man. That's cool. Um, yeah, really when we nice met, when we hooked up with you for the DJ and the other day, you was like, yeah, I think I already feel like I know you guys. Yeah, it, it is. Kind of nice. That was kind of nice to hear that, dude. And your podcast is going fucking well. Yeah, it's cool. getting, yeah, I always find that, like, you know, as much as I try to keep it light, it always gets super heavy sometimes. And, it, and it, that's, I guess it's good because, like, when I started my podcast, I guess kind of how you guys do your thing, you wanted to do what interests you, right? Yeah. Like, and that's the only thing you can do that's genuine. So when I listen to your podcast, I know that what you're doing is what you're really, really interested in. So when I started doing mine, I guess it's like music and, and, and bullshit. And then like, you know, because I was in the Marines, I talked to a lot of service members and stuff. So it sometimes get heavy. And like just before this, I was talking to a guy named Brian Wood, who's a military cross recipient. It got kind of heavy. So I'm glad I'm talking top five hip hop MCs yeah. with you yeah. guys today. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. Is- That's the thing. We, we, we've just come from, um, we just sat with John Kennedy from uh, XFM. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were saying then, the, the idea about the, the top five thing is that as soon as you say, like, do you want to do a top five, that topic, straight away, like, oh, what's my topic going to be? And that's a battle. And then you, once you pick your topic, yeah. then you've got to screw it down again. Yeah. And like, and so by the time you want to start talking about it, you really give a fuck about it. Yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? So well, I mean, awesome. you go through, especially when I was picking the MCs that I pick, because it's subjective, right? Everything's subjective, yeah, especially totally. in hip-hop, right? Yeah. It's fucking subjective. Yeah. So your top five's going to be... But my, my favorite MCs. Top five MCs. And I was telling my wife about it. She's driving me to the station this morning. She's like, I don't know about that. I was like... <laughs> Well, when they ask you what your top five are, girl, you could you could put that dude in there, man. I didn't think that dude was my dude. So it, it's interesting because I know a lot of people be like, "Well, why did they pick Grand Poobah? What the fucks with him?" But I got a I got a reason. You know? So your five are they in any order? Yeah, I think the way I sent it to you, I, I'll take my text out. I think it was in the order that I had it was. It was an element of mystery because they all had zero. So yeah, yeah, yeah that place, was because well, like that, that. I like, oh. no, I didn't do that on purpose. That was because I I sent it from my notes on my phone, okay, and it right. just took the numbers and made them zeros. I was like, oh, that's mysterious uh, and shit. But yeah, it was in in the order of like, from. Are you gonna give it all away now? Oh no, I shouldn't though, right? Yeah, 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 I should. Yeah, yeah. It's cool that you've done an order. That's really good. Because um, not everyone does that. Because no. like say, it's subjective. Yeah, Sometimes I just wanted to come prepared, film. man. You know, yeah. try to do the right thing. Right. Man. No, no, I on, respect man. you guys. I don't yeah. want to be sitting here going, "Well, I don't know." Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it makes it harder. Uh, but John Kenny just did that with uh, Christmas tunes, and that was a, that was a good laugh. Like we we're recording with two radio professionals today. Well, I don't uh, know about that. They, they just haven't fired me yet. That's <laughs> cool. I got a good Christmas song I put out. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Christmas by the Side of the Road. It's a couple yeah. years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a couple years ago. It's for veterans trying to help them brothers out. But yeah, yeah. He didn't pick that no, one, did he? Heard that. that motherfucker, know, John Kennedy, huh? <laughs> we'll drop I never message. liked him. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a big passion you got then, talking, talking to servicemen. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, I was young when I went in the Marines, right? And you know, there's been a war going on for like over 15 years now, and a lot of these guys that are coming back are shaping the way society is now, because you know, especially in the United States, there gets more of them. But in the UK, you see that they're not getting. They're not getting a fair shake by the media or just by society in general. They're getting marginalized and shit. And meanwhile, we're spending a lot more time and energy on stuff that doesn't matter as much to me. So that's why I try to talk to those dudes. Just simple, kind of balance the scales a little bit. No agenda. You know? That's really cool. Uh, Pip did one not that long ago with a chat who's in uh, the British uh, forces. Mm-hmm. 
and it was kind of really balanced because this guy was given a very honest appraisal of how he felt his time was spent in the military. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it's not all like, um, well, obviously it's not just an easy ride. He said mm -hmm. it, it was lots of tough times and he's not sure he would have done it again, yeah. given the opportunity. But it was a very balanced sort of appraisal of what it was, his experiences. And people don't really hear that a lot. And I think I, I, they either hear very pro yeah. or they hear very neggy aspects of the military, yeah. not I, an actual fair sort of opinion. That's the thing. I, I always figured... I don't want to be surrounded by people who thinking uh, who believe the exact same shit as I do, because mm. then I'm not challenged in any way yeah. to to evolve. You know, and like yeah. Muhammad Ali said, if you believe what you believed at 20, at 50, you've wasted 30 years of your yeah, life. Yeah, and I'm yeah. about to be 50 next year, right? So I'm constantly evolving. I think that's important. And and to have an agenda too, when you when you talk to people, is something I tried not to have. Yeah. Like I talked to this guy because he had a very interesting story, a really interesting guy. We didn't get into like if it was right or wrong because yeah. I that's for. That's for the esoteric folks, man, you know, <laughs> with the pinkies drinking the water like that. <laughs> but that's kind of a better way to do uh, podcasting interviews, I think, is we've never had an agenda. And that also means that conversation can go in any really yeah, direction. Yeah, but that's, that's cool. That's why you it's guys have a great combat. podcast. Yeah. Cheers, man. Thanks, no, man. I appreciate it. So how did, you, how did the military affect you? Did, you, did it straighten you out? Was you, was you, was you on the wrong road? You know what? I, 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 I kind of go back to it allowed, it showed me how, that it, I trust myself. And I wouldn't have trusted myself if I wasn't in situations where I had to. And I think that wasn't what my life was like before I was in the Marines, right? I didn't have to trust myself with jumping out of a plane or doing different shit that would definitely affect my survival, you know? So I think in a lot of ways, as I grow older, I see a lot of people who don't trust themselves and I would prefer to trust myself than not trust myself. So you know what I mean? So if you, if you know that you're in it with your guy, you know, you can kind of, you can live, I guess, a more balanced life. If you're always trying to prove something to yourself that's unprovable, then you're kind of wasting energy and probably going down rabbit holes you don't need to go down, yeah. you know? But that's like trusting with other people as well. Like, well, if you trust yourself, you can trust other people because right. you know what that entails. And so you know? I've got friends who trust no one. Yeah. And um, when I, I say friends, but the more I get to know those people, you realize that they can't trust people because they can't trust themselves. Uh -huh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they do lots of shasty things. Yeah. And so then they can't live their life with much degree of trust. And that's that, like you say, that's emotional energy and thought I haven't got time for. I can't be bothered yeah. to spend my life not trusting people. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. If someone mugs us off. Oh, you'll get fucked over yeah, in your life, but that's, that's inevitable, right. man. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you know, at that point you have to cut them off or whatever, mm -hmm. but you just can't go through life being like hugely um, suspicious of everyone. Yeah, you can't so be a pussy. The, the military yeah. gear, right? You said a uh, story. I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but it just—it's just crazy. So, one of the only times you ever prayed was when you jumping out that plane. Yeah, well, that's—I like, mean, you know, <laughs> I was story. talking to Brian just before, and it was like, yo, you—you you find very few atheists <laughs> in, in in that kind of situation, right? And uh, you know, I, I don't really consider myself one for organized religions. Yeah. But I think in the history of man, I mean, I was thinking yesterday, I was with my son in a movie, right? We were, something was happening and it said like 2017 AD. I think it was about some movie about like, you know, about the cavemen or whatever. I was like, all right, so if you average a lifespan at 100 years, which is over averaging, there have been 20 lives that have been lived since, you know, Jesus Christ supposedly was born, right? What has man really learned in those 20 lifetimes, right? And then you start, you know, maybe you can go down a bunch of rabbit holes with that, but it, it kind of it, it kind of made me realize that, you know, there, there are stories that are passed down through generations that are good for people, and there's stories that are passed down through generations that are not good for people, right? Yeah. And I guess it's for us as adults to kind of discern which kind of stories we want to, you know, 
live by, you know? And I always thought the golden rule was something that was pretty solid, man. You know, and I don't know who takes credit for it. You know, I mean, it's probably an amalgamation of a lot of different organized religions. But I think just being spiritual on that level, being part of the earth is kind of a thing. I think that's an important thing to do. But, you know. Having a higher goal. Yeah, having a, you know, without being, you don't have to believe in God to not think you're not part of something bigger. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have to go, well, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Hindu or I'm a Jew or, or a Muslim. It could be a bunch of stuff that you just kind of ascribe to that, you know, I mean, you know, we are we are human beings on planet Earth. And that's kind of an important thing to kind of remember a lot of times because yeah, like, as much as we try to, you know, not say we're animals, you know, I think Tom Waits said it well. He said, like, we're monkeys with alcohol and guns, <laughs> you know, and I think it's kind of important to remember we are just about that far away from monkeys, you know. Yeah. We're self-aware monkeys, you know. Tom Waits is an amazing artist. Oh, yeah. Did you, so you, you picked up five MCs, right? Yeah. So did you... What was your first sort of love in music? Was it did, did you go down the hip hop road or was it a Well, hip hop hip hop happened after I was already in the music, mm. which is kind of cool. Uh, what was you doing in music at that point? Uh, I, I guess if you're going back, was it like in the mid '80s? I was like I was like a teenager, right? So when I was growing up, there was in the neighborhood I was growing up, there was a lot of Latin music, and funny enough, because it was a real big immigrant area, there was a lot of heavy metal music. Right, a lot of Mexican cats and like Eastern European cats, they loved metal. So there was that, and then there was like rock radio and soul radio, like you know, shit like uh, the classics that we always hear, you know, like the SOS band or Chic or stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, and I would always be drawn to how they were approaching guitar with that kind of music, right? I mean, there was really no guitar in salsa. Every once in a while, you hear like a nylon string, but it was really happening. But there was a lot of stuff going on in the funk stuff, like the Nile Rogers kind of yeah. thing. And the metal stuff, I was all into that kind of like Eddie Van Halen shit. And I still got one of Eddie Van Halen's guitars, you know, the striped one. Shit, yeah, I got yeah, one yeah. of those in my house. So that was kind of what I was into. And then when hip-hop came out, it, it, it took me into what the, the lyrics were, what the stories were, right? And it was a communication tool, which I found really relevant. It was the Queen's talking about Queens and Brooklyn talking about Brooklyn and if you didn't get to those different boroughs before the internet obviously. Do you remember the first time you heard it pop? Well, I heard Planet Rock. I was at yeah. summer camp and one of the, the counselors was playing Planet Rock. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and he was like, dope, right? And we just, he, he was on the radio and he was like, listen, and then the DJ was like, we'll play it again next hour. So we like, we were all looking around, yeah, next hour we're going to be back here. And it was just the, and I was, I talked to Arthur Baker, he's like a homeboy of mine, and just. Really? Yeah, and, and, and I've talked to Africa Bambata about it, and it's like, you know, when, when someone has such an important impact on you, it's hard to kind of like not be a fanboy yeah. about it, but yeah. it was like so important to me that when that came out, it, it transcended all the other music genres that I listened to, and I was like, well, that's it. That's where it's at now. Because it, 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 you know, aside from it having a musical content, which it, it started to progress to the point where people would sample like hooks on songs. Yeah. But before that, it was like a bass line, maybe a little bit of something else going on. Like, I guess when you, when you think about electro, which is kind of what, I guess, Africa and Bottom and the Soul Sonic Force was, yeah. that turned into rap because the people wanted to get more, they wanted to get more explanation out of the lyrics. Yeah. So that's when like the message came out and all that kind of shit. So for me, I thought that was great because I wasn't really into all that singing shit. And I still, you know, as I guess I'm a singer, but a rapper. I don't know what I'm doing, but I do Huey when I get on a mic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so whatever that is, is is definitely an amalgamation of all the stuff I really loved about early hip hop. And the storytelling thing was super important. And you get that as well. You get that. You're, especially like like come find yourself your first yeah. record as well, which is what we got into to start with. Um, there is this like 
rap in yeah. many ways, like, yeah. like your tunes, Bear Hug, I used to love, yeah, yeah. Just, your flow in that just comes across like that. Um, and it, of course with hip hop it was born where you were at, right? It's yeah, it was, a local, it was a local well, you know, that, it was happening, like we knew these guys, they, mm. and I talked to friends of mine who were British, like, yeah, those dudes were like fucking, you know, gods to us, I was like, that was just a dude in my neighborhood. So for, for me, it was just a guy who was just doing something that I could do. So that's why it wasn't that far removed, right? And it wasn't that lofty a goal. It wasn't like, hmm, I have to study under the master. It's like, no, I just got to tell a fucking story and get a rhyming dictionary and maybe I'll be okay, you know? Okay. So, it's within reach. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, something yeah, yeah. that was so far out of reach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, when, I, when I look back on that first record, the reason I'm, I'm on the mic is because we were auditioning dudes to be the lyricist in the band and we couldn't find anybody that was any good. Right. So Fast said, like, you got fucking stories out the ass, man. Why don't you just <laughs> fucking rhyme a couple of them? So I, I tried, and that's kind of how that happened. So I wasn't really looking to do that. It was kind of weird. I ended up doing it with reverence to the people that I really respect that are on this list mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. I guess I'll explain it as yeah, it shows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad that hip hop like, hit the UK so quickly mm -hmm. and with such an impact as mm -hmm. well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it was one of those things where I think if you look at it, it kind of happened in New York, it really bubbled out, and then boom, it went right to the UK because the language was the same. and. You know, all kids are kind of, I mean, it was after punk rock too, and punk rock galvanized the youth of the UK, right? Like no other. And that transcended into the US. I remember The Clash when they played Bonds in New York City, and I was like 11 or something. I was trying to get in. They had, they had fucking, <laughs> they, they had uh, Grandmaster Flash was opening up the show. I mean, they had rap dudes, and, you know, it, it was just like, wow, this, this is where it's at. So I guess when hip hop came over here, people felt that it was also like a, a real tribal thing, a youth thing. And it was also a communication tool back then, you know. Well, I got into hip hop weird, like me and a few friends got into it and there was no one else. Where I went to school, which was just completely white and it was just a sports school really, and no one was listening to it mm. as well. And I didn't, I couldn't even, I didn't understand, like the stories that were being told and I was listening to hip hop, I had no real connection, relation to them, like in terms of the stories they were saying, but something drew me to it. And mm -hmm. I'd, I'd learn lessons out of it, even yeah. though I wasn't in that in Ten that crack commandments, situation. man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't know about like, bongs and stuff yeah. like, when I was like 11, but oh, I was loving it. But it was re I thought it was rebellious because it didn't take on the structure of any of the music genres that preceded it. I mean, like, we all live in this postmodernist age where everybody's trying to deconstruct all the shit that makes us who we are, and then just there's nothing, and then we're just nothing. And I'm like, well, that doesn't fucking make any sense. But hip hop kind of did that with the attitude that punk had, right? Because you had it coming in there, and yeah, they probably had like a little bit of soul involved, and, but you know, like the first big crossover hit was Run DMC and Aerosmith, right? So there, there even Aerosmith at that point was kind of played out when yeah. they first came back mm. with that riff. But it was just, I guess, the, the shamelessness of its, it, of its influence. Like, they take a rap record because they had a beat. And that's all they wanted. They just wanted that little intro. Yeah. They didn't want the rest of the song. Fuck, fuck your singing song. Yeah, yeah. We want that little beat in the beginning yeah, that you threw away. Point, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For me, it was like, we, you'd hear like, obviously a couple of things that probably will have some relevance later, like Buggy Fresh and things like yeah. that, yeah. That, that, that occasionally, because there weren't MTV in the UK at that point, you couldn't get exposed to it. No. Yeah. You know, everyone at school was like, trying to do graffiti and stuff like that, do you know what I mean? And, and like, trying to break dance, but we had no point of reference. Like, you know, there was always one scruffed up, like, copy of Subway Art. <laughs> you around the school and everyone would be over the shoulders trying to see it, yeah. do you know what I mean? But then it was things like, I look back now, but it was, it was Rocksteady Crew and things like that. Mm. Hearing that, because it charted and you got to see yeah. it on top of the pops mm. and you got to see people break dancing. Yeah. And it was like, shit, man, that's what we've been trying yeah, to do on yeah, our linos, yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And it was like, and that was the one that kind of blew it up in my school. And it was like, and then from then on, it was like, you had you know, a couple of movies as well, didn't you? Like, what was it, Wildstar and stuff like that? Yeah. Like, that's a movie. Yeah, yeah. just funny, that just was, two doctors. fucking crazy. Like, that was good. You know the cover of Wildstar, like the, the, the mural that's yeah, there? Yeah, this yeah. guy, Dr. Revolt, who's a big time graffiti writer, he's on the cover, like spray painting the shit. And I, I got to be friends with him later on, on Come Find Yourself, the guy who's our art director, was this guy, Gerb. And remember GFS, Gerb Future and yeah. Stash, the Philly Blunts and all that kind of stuff? That's this crew, right? Okay. And, he was good friends with Dr. Revolt, and Dr. Revolt did like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of drawing for us and stuff like that. And I was sitting, talking to this guy. I was like, "Yo, did you guys know you were fucking next?" He was like, "Nah, we were we were smoking angel dust. We had no fucking." <laughs> and you know, and that's like with anything really great, you're not. It, well, it's kind of weird now because we're so into like the minutia of everything. But like you said, you don't really know about stuff and yeah. th that's where all the mystery is and that's yeah. all the magic, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that yeah. was the thing, like they didn't know they were doing all this amazing yeah. shit, but they were, you know? That's like, happening with Grime, man. Like that same sort of thing, how that all started now. That is like the, the, the UK version of how that's exploded. It came from dance music as opposed to breaks and whatnot. Yeah. But all those kids have been doing it for fucking years. If you look at all the major Grime artists, you can follow their careers back to the start of it where they were all just hanging out at house parties, at radio stations, just doing whatever, and now they're all absolutely smashing it. Yeah, I realized that I'm getting to that age when I realized, like I was listening to some grime stuff, I was like, don't fucking get it. <laughs> but you know, they, that actually, it helped me realize my place in the universe in a lot of ways, <laughs> yeah. where like at first, the music I was listening to, my parents or my mother didn't get, right? And now like shit, my kids listening to, I don't get. Yeah. You know, I'll put on Radio 1, I'll be like, I don't get it. And you know what, that's cool, because that means the next generation has something real yeah. enough and tangible enough that's different enough that they can run with. And that's, that's what it's about, man. I've got a vivid memory of my, my dad coming in my bedroom. And he with was going, rascal. No, <laughs> <laughs> and he was going to me, he went, 
what's that about monkeys? And I went, and it was brass monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just loving yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Was, it's just like, ratty. Uh, and I felt like a real angry little kid, do you know what I mean? It was like, it was boisterous, wasn't it, you know? Yeah. And, like, and he was just like, what's this? And I was like, and you kind of used to feel a bit embarrassed, you know what I mean? When you did that, I'd be like, what's this? And you just think, oh, and you just turn it down and feel a bit awkward, do you know what I mean? As soon as you back out the room, it's like, fucking beastie boys, man. Yeah. Gonna go and nick a feet, don't Brass monkey was, like, that was the drink that we all used to drink, man. Yeah. It was, you could buy it in a bottle. It was like orange aid with liquor, like vodka or whatever. Like was, an alcohol pop, man. Yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah. What, like yeah, we, now it's fucking all over the place, but yeah. that was like the real kind of thing that a lot of dudes would, would drink, man. Damn, I didn't know that. I knew, obviously, it was about getting yeah. twisted, but I didn't know. But yeah, there's the stuff you, in the in the it was like Mad Dog 2020 right. and Brass Monkey. It was all the stuff that you yeah, could just yeah. drink and yeah. didn't have, didn't need a mixer. That was yeah, right. it was for lightweights and kids and yeah, shit. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like was it Boone's Farm? You know, that Boone's Farm like apple wine or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, we had similars. We had like things like hooch, didn't we? Uh, yeah, Mad Dog 2020. Yeah, and all, Zima. Zima was big. Remember Zima? No, nah, Zima. <laughs> I'm definitely telling everybody my age now, but Zima was some shit. That's what you get if you had some girls coming through. Right. Get some okay. Zima. It was like it was like Sprite with a with it was like malt liquor Sprite. It was like you get a forty dog for yourself and like a six pack of Zima for the ladies, man. Yeah. Do you know what you say about the, the orange drink? What was that? what did you say it was called? Brass Monkey. Brass Monkey. That funky monkey. Brass <laughs> monkey. Oh, monkey. My, my point is, is in um. <laughs> In the film The Wanderers, which yeah. is one of my favorite yeah, yeah, films, yeah. they're all drinking this shit orange stuff out of this bottle. Is it a brown bottle? Yeah. Yeah, that's Brass Monkey, oh, man. It could be it. Drink it. They could be what? drinking Brass Monkey. Right, there you go. Always <laughs> wonder what it was. There you mix go. some up at home soon. Well, you know what? I bet you could probably get some on eBay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Adult eBay. Saying, I didn't realize it was an actual drink. Man, that'd be yeah. a wicked drink to have at a club now. The there was a great there was a great party called Soul Kitchen, right? And it would it would travel around. It, would, it used to have it in like this one place in New York, but it would move because it would get stopped or whatever. And like you go in there, you could smoke weed in there. You could buy forties of Colt forty five. So you you just go, let me get let me get a forty. We give you a forty. You could get chicken wings. They like people like with a grill going. It was just and they play the most amazing soul music all night long. It was fucking great. But that's like that's a party I'd like to redo, man. Yeah, that's a great night right yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We think we we thinking a new party. So if you see us start up a new one, yeah. you, you'll be you'll be like motherfuckers. Well, you know, look, I I, I can go to it. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't begrudge people who got hustle, no, man. No, I appreciate no, that yeah, shit, yeah. man. You know. I, oh shit, maybe we'll talk about that. Um, should we do Should we do a number five? Should we yeah, go number good. five? Yeah, MCs? okay. Well, actually, before we do that, just a quick thing. You sent it through. You said top five MCs, right? So do you think there's a difference between MCs and rappers? Oh yeah, Ra Dr. Seuss is a rapper. Okay. That, that, I mean, fucking Dizzy Rascal, Tiny Temper, they're rappers. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's nothing. You could rap. Yeah. Like I said, you get a rhyming dictionary and, and a house beat, you're a rapper. Yeah. So you got a SoundCloud account, you could be a rapper. But MC, and I learned this from Ice-T, who isn't on this top five, but he's in my top ten. Yeah, yeah. And he did that, what was it, The Art of Rap? You ever see yeah, that documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talked to him from a radio show, and dude was like, literally, he said that fucking, you know, Dr. Seuss line. I was like, oh, that's fucking true. And he's like, it is, man. Because when you do a show, where are people looking? I go, they're looking here. He goes, exactly, you're master of ceremonies. You're master of the ceremony. If you're a rapper, people are looking at the bitches dancing. That's yeah. what they're looking at. Looking at that girl shaking her ass, twerking. They're like, that's the fucking. Yeah, some just doing. You're like, oh, whatever. whatever. <laughs> well, that's a rapper would go and do his song and fuck off, and MC controls yeah. the crowd. Yeah, right? exactly. Well, that's why Rakim was like one of my bigs, man. Because yeah. also, like, when rap first, uh, hip hop first started, I guess the subject matter was 
pop oriented. It first started like, you know, like the message and shit like that. There was some deeper stuff, but then they realized people could make money. It was into clubs. And then it started getting really kind of middle of the road and they kind of marginalized a lot of the topics. And then you yeah. started seeing the real dudes who were like, you know, fuck that. Like Rakim with all the Run DMC stuff happening. You, you having Rakim as your first? Well, no, no, no. I mean, he just came up in the conversation yeah, yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I think just in order, I mean, of t chronologically, he was the guy after uh, LL Cool J and Run DMC that had a different cadence. He was he was hard. You know what I'm saying? Like LL Cool J, he was saying he was hard, but he was an 18 year old guy from Queens, and the ladies <laughs> yeah. love Cool James. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's one thing. He was. Rakim came with like a like this real situation stuff that like you know real motherfuckers could get down with like it, you know walking around with that whole Gucci jacket with the Gucci fabric and shit. He was a, he was like gangsters liked him, girls liked him, dudes like Puerto Rican dudes like me from the Lower East Side liked him because there was something dynamic about it. And and I think his his subject matter and his the way he used the words to his advantage. And he was also more scholastically and vocabulary oriented yeah. than a lot of other dudes. Like you could see the way he would rhyme stuff, it wouldn't be just on the four. Yep. You know, it would be like different kind of stuff. And I thought that was amazing, and that's why he's literally one of the best. Definitely, man. He, he gets, he, a lot of people put him as number one, don't they? And you can see why. I mean, not only that, but just in his, I always think a big a big thing is, is the t rapper's tone. Oh yeah, his uh, tone is gangster. Tone. His, his tone just immediately, just so suits yeah. who he is, and what he's rapping about, where yeah. he comes from. Well, I mean, what's, the, what's that one? Uh, follow the leader, right? Yeah, it it exactly sounds, it sounds like he went, and then just rhyme, yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no hook in that song, it just keeps going and going and going yeah, and going. Well. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, I remember I first heard that my friend Rob and me were listening, I was like, is this motherfucker gonna take a breath? And it sounds like he's pretty much growling yeah. the whole fucking time. And that's what, you know, here Run DMC, you know, they had a good, they got good cadence, they had good sounds to their voices, but Rakim was menacing, you know, it was yeah. like, and also Eric B's musical background, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, I always look at like music as like a painting, right? So. The background was dark. Yeah. It wasn't like taking fun, dancey samples. They, you could dance to them, but they were like deep cuts. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Sure, Follow the Leader is a great example yeah. of that as well. His, his production on that is wicked. We normally we sometimes do playlists if it's music orientated. So we'll have to put a playlist. Oh yeah, dude, Spotify. that'd be dope. That's yeah, cool. yeah, awesome. And man. Uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have a, a few a few of these tracks on. There. Yeah, but I it blew up in the UK. Yeah, like blew up. That was a big tune. Well, like, I think the UK's more musical savvy, I think, than the U.S. general market, but also it's a smaller place, but yeah. I think the U.K.'s always been interested in music since the since World War II, really, and even artists like myself, who didn't necessarily blow up in America, blew up here because we were doing something different. I think... Mm. So I was going to ask you about that. So yeah. is that. Is that what you think it was? Well, I th yeah, in a lot of ways it was that, and it's also just straight up money shit or where you know we did go gold with a couple of our records in the states but instead of doing a van tour making two grand on a month running through the east coast of america we could come and headline the reading leeds festival and get five hundred thousand pounds in two days so what would you fucking do you know, <laughs> you know it's just pretty but it was it was just one of those things also the the, the structure of radio at that point because that's how people got over to buy your records it was like we were kind of on college radio circuits we weren't pop we weren't rock, so there was like this thing called college radio, and that was kind of like indie music, right? And yeah. you know, we we five hundred thousand copies is gold in America, and it's double platinum here. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's just the scale of the different types of people, yeah. and the market shares are all different and shit. So, I, I think in a lot of ways, because we were doing something that wasn't, it was unique. It was you didn't sound like anything else, and the songs from song to song didn't sound like the previous ones. It lent itself to an audience that. In, 
it appreciated unique shit. So that's why I think we, we did better here and in Europe and stuff. And the UK really bought in the UK straight away, didn't they? Well, it was, no, it right. was Holland initially, and that's why we came over to the UK, because we were going to Holland to do a gig, because we went gold in Holland in like a week, and we were like, what the fuck? We didn't realize it was like 18 people to go gold, you know? <laughs> so we were like, look, we're over here getting high, let's pop across the channel, see my friends in England, you know? And then we came over here and did a couple shows, and we played the Camden <laughs> Underworld, right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember we sold that joint out, and it was probably the first time we ever sold a joint out, yeah, even though it was like cool. a pub. Yeah. You know, it was probably the size yeah. of this room, right? Yeah, but still, yeah, yeah. We, it was It'll fucking be, heavy yeah. for us. And I remember, because I never, I never read reviews and shit, because I was always leaving. So I get on a plane, I go home, and then like, you know, so, but some guy at the record company, sent us a review of the of the of the gig right and we were at our manager he's like hey this is a great review i was like i don't really give a fuck about that i was there we did good people clapped no one threw shit that's how i look at gigs right no one threw shit at me people clapped it was good but he, he read this thing off and they were getting real they're waxing lyrical like a young robert de niro da, 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 da. i was like do they mention the music he's like no <laughs> and then i realized that you know maybe that's not what it's all about you know yeah. and that, that kind of lent itself when we were talking about rakim i mean if you looked at Rakim, if you looked at a picture of The Clash's first record, you'd be like, there's some bad motherfuckers. Look at Eric B. Crip, there's some bad motherfuckers. You mm -hmm. look at the following criminals, you're like, there's some bad motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that, that's a big, a presentation is a big point uh, to make when people get into your music for a reason. Like you go in there expecting something and then when you get it, you feel satisfied. Yeah, because artistically, like those pictures, that imagery, it communicates a message in itself, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? So. And, and you mentioned Ice T, and I, I remember when I got power. Yeah, he turned it over. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that might be my top five <laughs> album covers. Oh, yeah, time. man, big time. And, and, and it was Evil E's got that Uzi behind his back. You get that little booty. <laughs> ooh, yeah. ooh. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> he, he can't play my club in Essex at that point. Oh, and like, he sent her out on stage first in that. And she'd just stand out in the place with yeah. mental. And he was on the side of the stage just thinking, brilliant, this is... And he See, just he knew. fucking slayed it as well. Absolutely, right. absolutely. You, you said Paid in Full right, earlier. That was one of my favourite... Um, have you seen that, the, the hip-hop movie, uh, Paid in Full, about no. the hoods and that? It's dope. Yeah. It's really good. And uh, But Ice-T was also one of my favourite films, Trespass. Have you ever seen that? It's got him and Ice Cube in it. Oh, yeah, 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 I did see that. It's old. It's probably. I haven't seen it for like twenty years. It's what probably awful now. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to shoot you so bad, my dick is hard. <laughs> that, you know that 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 line alone endeared Ice T to me. I was like, oh man, because I mean, it's a visceral thing to want to shoot somebody to such an extent, you know. <laughs> So should we do uh, number five? Who's, who's your number five? I, I think it was Grand Poobah, Grand right? Poobah. Grand Poobah for a lot of reasons. I mean, I love, I love him solo. I love him with, with the group. The one thing as an MC was all about, for me, the uniqueness, the idea of letting the inspiration show in what you do. And, and I've, I've kind of uh, incorporated a lot of what Poobah does. I don't know what people might say, hey, it doesn't sound like nothing like Poobah, but Poobah would be like, he'd sing little lines like, Poobah, nice, you're about that. I mean, he'd just do shit, I, I swing a flow like Al Jarreau. He'd reference shit that you'd have to be a New Yorker of a certain age to understand. Like, it was real parochial in a lot of ways. Wow. But if you got it, you were like, wow, this guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah. And it spoke directly to me. And he was, he, out of that group, Brand Nubian, he was, for me, he was, he was my favorite guy out of that brand. I mean, I love Sadat X, he's great too. And the Dread dude, yeah, he's all right. But it was all about poo, right? And and when he went solo, he kind of, he started wearing white track suits and shit like that. And he was like the dude in New York. And he, I think he made Mazdas 
you know, the Mazda motor car, he made that kind of cool for a right, minute because right. he had like a Mazda MPV and it was like, and I think Wu-Tang later said, we got MPVs and, you know, whatever. So that was like Poobah bringing the MPV in because you could fit all your crew into the yeah, MPV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you'd have like a fucking two-door car, you'd have your girl. Yeah. And you have, if you had, what was it, uh, Public Enemy had the Oldsmobile 98, you got three guys in the back and your girl up front. Yeah. You get an MPV, you got everybody in that motherfucker, man, the whole neighborhood. Is that what Pip had? But if you get like a minivan, but but the thing is, that's when minivans came in. People were like, damn. And like, granted, like a lot of the soccer moms in America would happen, but hood dudes would happen because you bring all your motherfuckers in the car. And then the doors open up and weed smoke coming (laughs) up. But Poobah was the dude incorporated for me a lot of the singing. And he wasn't necessarily good at singing. He was out of key. This was before, you know, before the auto tune shit. So if you listen to a lot of like, if you listen to I Like It by Pram Poobah, he does a lot of that singing. You're like, like I am or some I am everything and everything is poo and it's just it's kind of off but it works and it's I think yeah well Bismarck he was great like that too and you know what he's in my top 10 Biz is one of the best producers and DJs I've ever seen play live he's amazing but the thing that separated poo from me was that he didn't take himself seriously but he was serious about what he did. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. kind of weird. Like, if he was hanging here, he'd be laughing and joking. Like, he wouldn't be acting like a hard rock sitting there with his hood up. And blah, 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 blah. But you knew he was a serious guy because yeah. you, his, his, his musical pedigree was that. You yeah, know? definitely. He's delivery. So he's probably the guy I'm least familiar with mm-hmm. on your list. And so I went and listened uh, a bit yesterday just to sort of refresh. His delivery is very clean. It's very... Yeah. You can... Yeah. He's, he's a, like you say, he's for real. He's very... Yeah. Uh, He's a professional at what he does. Motherfucker he doesn't take himself spit. too seriously, yeah. right? He, he's kind of, he, he's quite playful with his lyrics. And but if like you that. knew him as a guy, like yeah. personally, he had a hard upbringing. He was a hard dude. Right. And I think his release was being able to do this. Okay. Like Brand Newbie, and they were a bunch of hard motherfuckers when they came up. Okay. All those, all those are the second tier guys. All, all the guys that came up after like LL and Beastie Boys and Run DMC and Public Enemy. They were the second tier guys. They had to, they, they, the record companies went out looking for trouble. They looked for Mob Deep. They looked for Brand Newbie, and they, they went after these guys. But for me, my money, I thought Pooh just had it. And also the fact that he called himself Grand Poobah, which is what Fred Flintstone yeah, was. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's like just all the reference points were just like, you know how you see those really hard rocking dudes wearing like the, the what was that, the Tweety Bird on the leather jacket? You remember to see those yeah, dudes? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They look like they kill you, but they're wearing Tweety Bird on yeah, their jacket. Yeah. That was the dichotomy I found yeah. really compelling or I was like dude's hard but he's not acting hard I like that because you know he doesn't have to act hard yeah, you know yeah, I yeah. thought that was really good kind of I think that's always a good, an interesting sign with people with blokes particularly that guys who are quite tough don't need to show it because that, they don't really they yeah. know it's there if they need yeah. it and, and I think early on I knew that this is before yeah. I was a marine and stuff yeah. but early on I kind of knew that because I could handle my shit but I didn't go out looking for shit mm. and all the dudes that did we didn't like we were mm. like the fucking asshole yeah. why has he got to go prove himself every fucking Friday night and half yeah. the time you get knocked out, so you're like, you got a 50 <laughs> yeah. feet, you're like 10 and 10 this summer, you know? <laughs> What's your fighting record, Steve? How are you getting on these days? I'm not Still street fighting? No, no. <laughs> I, uh, last time I sparred, I got, I got spanked on the chin bad, and it made me realise maybe I'm too old for doing this now. <laughs> like, I was fine, and like, the, the guy was like, you all right? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought, I was thinking, I, I really ain't, my fucking brain got rubbed. <laughs> you had the white light and kind like, of sizzling it, it really around you. Was, mate. I had like fucking white noise, I was thinking, fucking hell, what's going on here? And I like, got home, and uh, I just went to the beach with like, my missus and the kids, and, uh, and I was sitting on this little kind of like beach chair thing, 
And uh, my youngest went, can we go on like, playing the sea? I went, yeah, yeah. And I stood up and literally just fucking zigzagged across the beach. Wow. And I was like, man, I got whacked this morning. And I said, man, like, it made a deal. And I just thought, I need to yeah. stop sparring pad, now. Pad work from like, it's pad work. <laughs> you, you're doing boxing, right? I've boxed at that point, but I've, I've done Muay Thai. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah my, my wife's a Muay Thai, right? And, oh, and, really? And I, I used to go with jiu-jitsu was a thing I learned mm. in the Marines, right? And that's, that's a real great equalizer because you could be a little dude, and if you know a grip, yeah. you could fuck big dudes up. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or big yeah, yeah. dudes. Uh, like, the thing is, like, for being like a, a beginner and a black belt in jiu-jitsu, it's only about like, it's like chess. If you could, if you could see four or five moves at a time, it doesn't matter if you're black belt or not. Yeah. You can get somebody, you can get them. And that's the thing. I, I like my wife. When we first met, she had a belt in, in Taekwondo, and then she did a little bit of Muay Thai. But Taekwondo was her shit, right? And I, I remember she was like, we were arguing about something, and she's like, "I bet you don't think I could kick you in the head." I was like, "Why would you think?" And she went, up, and the foot came up, and I put my arm up, and she kicked my watch. It was like, "Ow, my foot." And I was like, well, ow, my head could have been there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, everything's, I guess, subjective when it comes to martial arts and getting your bell rung. But I, like I, the other day I was trying to mess around with a young dude and I could see that he was trying to fuck me up. Yeah. So I just fucked him up real quick. <laughs> I just gripped him out. He was like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry, man. I just can't, I can't do this with you today. And I realized that like the older we get, the whole thing about sparring, it's not fun anymore because we want to get the fuck out of there, man. We don't want to get our bell rung. And when, when you get hurt, for me... Uh, uh, it takes a while, man. Recovery. It takes a while to recover. Oh, like, I snapped my toe to the point where it was hanging down like that. <laughs> and I pulled my glove off and I pushed it back in, but I pushed it back in the wrong way. It was oh, all bent shit. up. And then the adrenaline stopped. And then I was like, ah. oh, I really need to get a fucking hospital. That ain't right, man. But uh, and then that's still fucked now. That was like yeah. three years ago. Yo, I got I got my big toe got stomped on this foot. And I thought I had gout. Yeah. I went to the doctor. I was like, my fucking toe is fucking killing me. Do I have gout? He's like, do you eat rich foods and drink a lot? I was like, no. He's like, then no. I was like, well, what the fuck's wrong with my foot then? He's like, would you? I told him about something happened like two, three years ago. He's like, oh, that's it. It's called arthritis. It's You're arthritis. old. <laughs> I was like, oh Absolutely. man. You're old. It's, it's arthritis. Brain shit. Yeah. Like, yeah not good, man. <laughs> You're just old, man. Stop acting like you're not. You know. But you say that about like the, the, the jiu-jitsu. It's like I, I thought, right, I'm going to try and learn some. So there was like MMA was get big on yeah. this. So let's give it a whirl. And my stand-up, I've always been quite confident with. This guy threw me on my ass, and he was half my size. I'm some six three, yeah, and like, fifteen stone. And this guy got on top of me. Half my size, couldn't do shit. No, yeah, because they're fast skin. too. They're like, like, and he, knew what he was doing, and I just thought, you how vulnerable you are. You are. Once you know right. a little bit about it, cause I'm shit on the ground, I really am. And once you know a little bit about it, you are so much better than someone who knows nothing about it. Well, it's also the thing is like, if you're scared of being on the ground, then you're not gonna be good on the ground. Yeah. yeah. If you just like, I know a lot of dudes that would start a spar on the ground. They'd be like, all right, plop and flop on their back. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, I'm learning. No, yeah. are you gonna come at me? And then you kind of figure it out. Yes, yes. Hello. I'm glad you have uh, enjoyed part one. Yeah. We're assuming you did. Yeah. As much as we did recording it. Because it was fucking great. Mm-hmm. Simples. Who's your top five MCs? Get at us. Yeah. Top five fun-loving criminal tunes as well. Oh, mate. And I'll tell you what. Top four coolest people in the fucking world. Huey's got a top spot. Top four. Fire them in. Mate, do you know what? I'd love to say the story about when we met Huey at the club, but most of that we can't talk about, but it was fucking funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but Huey knows. (laughs) 
All right, look, um, part two will be out in 48 hours. Um, go and subscribe to Hardcore Listing. Go and fucking subscribe to Huey's podcast. Huey's got a fucking podcast. Yeah, and first episode, Ricky DeVos. Yeah, yeah. yeah fuck around, does strong, he? Man. He's, 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 he's had a load of wicked guests. Even uh, old school like drum and bass uh, legends and producers like uh, DJ Die. It was wicked, man, going through that and listening to all his... Uh, all his joints, and obviously he's strong. He's done. He's done a lot of strong uh, radio shows as well. He's that are still going strong. It's as fucking well. radio to a fucking six music legend, yeah, mate. And also, if you want to hear more of him on the fucking quick, get over to our Distraction PC's Podfather Scroobius Pit, where he sat and had a good old chat yeah. with Huey as well. So um, plenty of Huey goodness for everyone. Yeah, enjoy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.